0: Welcome to the Social Entrepreneur Podcast. Get engaged, get influenced, get connected. The Social Entrepreneur podcast this evening is coming live from the Hilton Hotel. I am sat across a multi-genre, international superstar DJ. <laughs> it's Mr Nathan Dor. Welcome Hello. on the podcast.
1: Thank you very much, mate. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you very much. Well, we're currently sat in your hotel room and we can see Coventry City Pitch. This is a pretty cool location. Mm. Mm. Is this the life of a DJ? Well, being
1: a football fan, it was nice to turn up and see that... Um, but yeah, we don't usually get them views when we've got hotels. What team <laughs> but, um, do you support? About, I'm a Villa right? fan. Oh, he's a Villa, Villa fan. fan. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, we're, near, we're
0: close to your hometown. Yeah, not right far, not far. Good man. So Nathan, what I'd like to do on the Social Entrepreneur podcast is give um, our audience the story start to finish mm-hmm. um, and really use your journey to inspire and help You know the DJs out there um, that want to build a career in what you do. So yeah. what I'd like you to do for us is give us a 30-second
1: elevator pitch on who you are mm-hmm. and what you do. Well, at the minute um we just travel all over kind of the world really kind of doing sets and dj sets um i, I well i made my name like years ago just djing in my local town and stuff mm-hmm. and then obviously the last kind of three four years i've been doing like headline sets being like a big brand that i built it into um so yeah i mean at the minute we just go around get booked to do dj sets um in all like, the holiday destinations and then after summer we do like all of the UK and tour that, so that's what doing right now awesome
0: amazing so I like what you just said there and what I say with every entrepreneur or every artist everybody has um an origin a beginning a Mm -hmm. reason why they started so you said you used to do DJing in your hometown so I want to go back right to the beginning of Nathan as when he was a kid how did you grow up where did you grow up um and how did you get into the music business
1: I was uh, I was born in Burton on Trent Mm -hmm. um which is about half an hour 40 minutes from Birmingham um so my whole family's from Birmingham, so that's kind of obviously a big city, and then they moved just before I was born to Burton. so I actually grew up in a small town, which some people think must have been a disadvantage because there wasn't that many opportunities, but I kind of flipped it and thought there's less competition, so I'm going to try and become the top guy in that town, you know, which was a lot easier to do than if you were born in Birmingham mm-hmm. and you had to try and you know make your name in a city um, even though there was less opportunities, so it was harder for me to do kinda of easier at the same time. So I wanted to be a DJ just because when I was young, I used to watch DJs on TV. Um like I remember like Radio one big weekend things like that, just mm-hmm. seeing like thousands of people on TV and DJ. And then when I went to like um family parties and stuff, discos, I just used to be in awe of the DJ that was playing and thinking like I wanna play. The music that people are dancing to
0: did you used to do your own shows as a kid like i can remember where we used to get cassettes put them in the player and record like our own mm-hmm. little radio shows is that the type yeah. of thing that you did well
1: i used to do like discos in my house and like um just play a bit of music and mum and dad like was yeah, <laughs> pretending to be the crowd and stuff and then i started doing my school discos they were really supportive so nice they used to let me come and just DJ. You Know the school disco, right? Wow, cool. yeah. Yeah, rather than getting like you know some 40 year old geezer to come, Dave do the it. clown, we used yeah, to yeah, yeah, thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you usually them guys. Um, so that was really good. And then off the back of that, kind of all the people in my town used to then book me for their birthday parties and stuff. That's pretty cool. And then obviously, the local pubs and clubs clocked on in my town and then book me for that. And when I you were doing really the started. birthday
0: parties, did mm-hmm. you used to charge for it? Did you make money yeah, out of yeah, it? Or, yeah. or were you like doing him. it just for free at the time to get experience?
1: I did a few yeah. for, for nothing, like just because they were my friends. Yeah. So I was just going to do it, like, you know, as any friend would. And then when like friends of friends used to think, oh, I want him for my birthday as well, you know, we'll, we'll charge. And then that's when I started to think, you know, I can actually make a good go at this and make decent money out of, you know, being a DJ.
0: Yeah, awesome. So then how did you take it into the pubs and clubs? Did you start to approach them? Did you have a fee? What yeah, type yeah, yeah. of music did I, you play?
1: I must have um, I must have emailed, genuinely probably emailed like 80% of the clubs in the UK, like looking for work, like back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I probably got two replies because they just used to read it and ignore it or read it and say, thanks, but no thanks. Because every club's got a DJ, otherwise it won't be open. So I was trying to figure out how can I get into DJing in clubs full time because it seemed like it was just who you know like what you know. So I thought I need to start putting my own events on and book myself. So that's when I started doing like um, under 18 parties um, in my hometown. So I book So a- you organise the parties yeah. and then book yourself. So the like then, it. Me and a guy called Johnny Makin um, he was like he's an older guy from our town but he's like a brother to me like mm-hmm. really like took me under his wing he was a dj in the town as well um we did it together so obviously i couldn't fund it all myself so we kind of went half and half and funded it together and just booked out like um, a youth club and just dj'd it you know put posters up Mm -hmm. everywhere um around the town and promoted it and then people turned up and like every time it was sold out it was like really really good Mm -hmm. so that's how i started kind of getting my name out in burton and then Pubs and clubs then kind of would have seen that and thought, well, we'll get him in. You know, to our pop and give it a go and see how it goes. Awesome. I quite
0: like the story about the rejection part. So, when you're emailing all of the nightclubs and they're not getting back to you, it's mm. finding an alternative solution because so many people, and it's an amazing lesson to take, so many people out there would see that as the objection and okay, we'll give up then. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. But what I like is you found an alternative route, you know, and now you use that to book yourself. That's yeah. pretty impressive. and. That's a very big lesson for people out there. If it's not working for you, mm-hmm. or the market doesn't accept you in, find your own way, right? Definitely,
1: you can't just. I mean, I've had tons of knockbacks, but it just inspired me more to think. You don't want to book me now, but one day you will want to book me. Mm-hmm. So I thought I've got to work, you know, my ass off to make that happen. So there has been there's been um, kind of times where I've sent a club a message on Facebook three years ago and they haven't replied. And then they've messaged me three years later. I can still yeah. see my message. <laughs> I never said like, "Are you available on this date?" But people would say, "Oh, you know, you should tell him like, I do one, But I, I like it because I think it's you know, I understand at the time I messaged them, I was, yeah. I was a no one in their eyes, and they had a DJ, so they didn't need me. Yeah, you don't need um, to be a dick about no, it, no, but so, it's so a it, nice feeling, right? It's, I mean, nice. it's a yeah, cool yeah. feeling. It is, mate. Yeah. So, it, you know, you can't like you say, many a people would have said, "I'm not making money doing this." You know, I need to get another job, or it's not really a career that I'm going to do well in, so I'd, I'd call it a day. But no, I always thought I've got to find a way in, and yeah. you know, I just wouldn't give up till I did.
0: So there's an iconic film um, that I probably grew up watching quite a bit, and that really made me want to be a DJ. I don't think I've got any musical talent whatsoever. Okay. Um, but that film was Kevin and Perry Go Large. Okay. Is that something you grew up watching? Did no, that no. inspire you
1: at all? No, or? to be fair, like I say, it was never anything else but like even my family aren't musical so i haven't really got a family member that was in the industry or had a interest in it so it is a bit of a weird one really that i just kind of from a young age just literally just used to go to family parties and then my dad would take me up to the dj to like say can he just watch you for a bit because he loves you know discos and you Mm -hmm. know djing so i'd just stand there like whereas all the other kids are running around messing around partying it you know as you do I was just like watching the DJ, like thinking yeah. like this is sick. Like so it. that's where the passion came from, really. I like
0: um, the fact that when you've gone from you know where you were and you had that vision of who you wanted to become mm-hmm. and you made that leap. Before we go on to how you made the leap and how you got so big, can we talk about um, the advice that you would give to the younger DJs out there that want to get there but haven't quite made it or
1: don't quite know how to get there? Are you saying get to like? making it a full-time job or getting to the heights that...
0: Yeah, getting to the heights that you're at, so where you're starting to play really Mm. big venues,
1: you know, and actually keeping that vision going. I think it's a long journey, and people people that, you know, know me now, if they haven't known my journey, they'll just think, oh, well, it's a DJ that must have started DJing, did something right, and straight away he got Mm -hmm. to where he was. But they don't see all the, you know going around my hometown putting posters up since I was like 14, 15, 16, like I'm 24 now. They don't see, it. it's been like a, a 10, 12 yeah. year journey really. Like, so I'd say, you know, you know yourself, no one sees the hard work, they'll see the success. So you've got to be prepared to put a lot of hard work in and take a lot of knocks backs, knock back, sorry. Um, and you've basically got to be different. I think at the time that I kind of had my little break, Social media was obviously booming, but it, people weren't as clued up um, on it. So I kind of saturated the market with doing my mm-hmm. online mixes and online promotion because, like, there was only a handful of people that were doing it. Whereas now, like, there's DJs releasing mixes like every hour. Mm. So I would say so you're, you're saying good- it's a lot harder. It's going to be a lot harder. It's a lot now. harder now because every time you go on Facebook, you're seeing like DJs putting sponsored posts up of um, doing mini mixes and like everyone's doing it to the point where it just annoys people now I was lucky to be one of the first to like start doing that mm-hmm. so I was people just kept seeing my name so then that's how it kind of helped me but I would say you've just got to try and be different and it's so easy for me to say because people ask me all the time and I say you know you need to try and find something unique and different but then they're like well what <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. what what is there to be different about nowadays because everyone's doing the same things everyone's Doing mixes, doing videos, going around with photographers, getting you know, mini mixes, mashups done. Like, so it leaves the the youth now thinking, well, what can I do? It's all right, you say and be different, Mm. but. But I think that you
0: you 100% right. And there's a lot of saturated markets and industries out Mm -hmm. there. And, you know, I've been the same in the plumbing game. It's like, how are we going to stand out and build it? There's thousands of one-man bands and plumbing organizations, but we've managed to do it. And by having a crowded market and having loads of DJs out there doing the same thing, Mm -hmm. it only needs one minor little tweak Mm -hmm. for you to stand out. Yeah. So let's say for example, I don't know, you every time you DJ'd you, you know, you wore a special fucking hat mm-hmm. or something like that, you know, or whatever it is. You know, like the Salt Bay guy. Yeah. yeah you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. it's like small little things like that are gonna make you stand out on video.
1: I think um, like people like the need people need to understand that it's not just DJing, it's a full brand. Yeah. So like you have to build the brand, even to the fact, like we mentioned earlier, that I wear I did that all the time. Like that wasn't just because I'm comfy in it, it's because I had a vision from the get go thinking I need an, an ID. Mm-hmm. I need people to think every time he goes somewhere, when he's DJing, he'll be wearing Adidas and like creating a whole like portfolio and brand for you. So, like, you're not just turning up and playing music. So, like, you say, doing like silly things like mm-hmm. wearing a hat or whatever. That was my kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I thought I need to have like a, an image that I would always be in an Adidas tracksuit. And at the time that I did it, like, DJs really weren't going into clubs in tracksuits. They were like dressing up. And we had a few problems when I first get in like, when I first started getting some Nathan Dore gigs, I call them when I was kind of making my name and they were booking me to headline the club. We had problems sometimes getting in because they were like, we know like we booked you, but you can't come in a tracksuit. <laughs> I, I was still very adamant of saying, well, like, I am, going to be. I'm, that's, I'm wearing the tracksuit. This is me, yeah. So we had a few problems with it at the start. Um, and you know, so that was kind of a shock factor. Like I remember seeing tweets like, as if Nathan Dawes rocked up, you know, in a tracksuit last night to DJ. Now it's normal because they're mm-hmm. used to it. But at the start, like it was that element of surprise. Like God, he's got in the club with a tracksuit on, you know, because you know, you've got to dress up quite smart. But these are all carefully thought out mm-hmm. things. Like, you know, I thought I need to make a statement. So.
0: Like that. so there was some science behind what yeah, you were yeah. doing. Mm-hmm. And this is what this podcast is all about because it does bring out all of these little bits that actually people will just see you playing and they mm-hmm. thought, you know what, he probably just got a lucky yeah, 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 break yeah. one day and he's done it. But actually there's a calculated science mm-hmm. to everything that successful people do mm-hmm. to build their way. And it goes on in there. yeah, yeah. yeah. And no one else can, can see it. See it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love that, love that. So that's awesome. So cool, right. So... Um, we 've touched on it very slightly, then, so when did you really break away from being um a resident Nathan ninja, door at yeah. Burton town, and
1: how did you break out? Was that using social media or what I always had social media kind of elements throughout the career, but um when I first noticed like something's going on here was I was releasing mixes on SoundCloud. You might be familiar with that, mm-hmm. and they were doing okay. My hometown used to listen to them. You know, few hundred plays, you know, max. And then I did seasons in zanti like DJ abroad, being a resident DJ abroad in the summer. And I did that, you know, for like um, I've done it now for like five, six years. But at the time, it was probably my third year, um my third season in zanti And you know, I used to just go there, earn a bit of money, go back, do my winter, go stuff, and mm-hmm. that was it. But when I started bringing mixers out, and uh, the summer that that summer, I thought, to be fair, not many people know this, but I thought. Um, you know, if if I don't come back after summer and get some better-paid DJ gigs, I will have to look at you know maybe a different career. Because mm-hmm. I weren't earning enough money to like really live on. I was doing, at that at that time I was probably on a hundred pound a week, mm. and you know I was thinking it, that was cool. Three years before that, because I was like sixteen, earning hundred pound a week, thinking this is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I got to like ninety, and I was thinking. You know, I'm nearly 20 and I'm still on £100 a week. Like, mum and dad are kind of saying, you need to be, you know, earning a bit of money now. Like, you know, your friends are all there, like, over you now, earning this much. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, I'm going to just put my all into this. And I thought, if if I come back after summer and I haven't progressed money-wise financially, I'm going to have to look at doing something else on the side to get my money in. But it was that summer that I just... Put everything into it, and I was just doing mix after mix after mix, and I was staying in my villa and just making mixes, putting them out, just constantly using social media to try and push my name. And then there was the one mix that I released called Gold Edition um, One, and I remember really like I recorded the mix, and I weren't actually happy with it. I listened to it back, and I thought I'm not too keen on that. But I was running late for something, so I just thought, you know what, I'll, I'll put it out, put it out, and then like literally within an hour, like my phone was just blowing up, and I was thinking, what? Those people were tweeting me like, this mix is sick, like, get, mm-hmm. getting loads of shares. And I was seeing it in real time, thinking like, you know, what the hell is going on here? Like, this is just mental. And the people I was with at the time, I was like, this isn't usual behavior, like for a mix to do this. And it literally just spun off there, and I thought, right, this is my moment now that I've been waiting for. Like, What do you think it was about that one track? I think what it was, the mixes I did before, I was thinking about him too hard I was thinking what will people want to hear and I was kind of making like the perfect mix like making sure all the transitions were perfect and just thinking too hard into it and then I thought when I'm DJing live I mash things up I go from genre to genre I've got no rules and I was trying to set my mixes as in like house mix Mm -hmm. R&B mix and I thought do you know what I'm going to just call it gold edition for you know because I used to colour code my mixes that's where the colours came from I thought, I'll call it Gold Edition and just literally pretend I'm DJing in front of a crowd and just mash it up. like Loads of different genres, loads of different tunes, no order. Just mix them all together and do a madness. And that's what it was because people were like, something different. Yeah. Every DJ was doing what I was trying to do because I was looking at that and thinking, well, if people do that, I need to do that. Mm -hmm. And something clicked in my head and I thought, I need to do something to stand out. And I was the first DJ really to put a mix out like that. It was quite a brave move because... People can like, look down in it and be like, oh, why are you changing from that drama to that drama so quick? It wasn't like subtle enough or whatever. But I thought, you know what? I'm just going to do what I, I think is going to work. And, and it did. So that's what got all the shares because it was different. People weren't used to mixes like that. It was innovation, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's where people can really stand out,
0: you know, mm-hmm. when you innovate.
1: So I just when I seen that going, I was like, right, that's it. Mm. Like Nothing else matters. I'm taking this moment. So I just released so many mixes in quick succession just to keep the brand awareness up. And then I think I got like asked for my first picture like in Zanti a few weeks later. I was thinking, this is fucking nuts. Like, <laughs> like, some randomist said, can I get a picture? And I was like, why? Like, what for? And it's like, everyone in our hometown loves your mixes. And I was like, this is all happening in the space of like two weeks. Awesome. I was like, so it's just, and it literally just spiraled from there. And then a couple of weeks after, a club emailed us to do a gig. Is this UK or you said the UK and I was like, so what do you mean? What 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 do you want me to do? They're like, we want you to book you for a gig, like. And at the time, I was used to doing like a six-hour set for like eighty quid,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they were like, no, we just want you to come, do an hour, and you know, we'll pay you. And we're like, well, how much? So were like, I think it was four hundred or five hundred quid. I was like, one hundred percent, like oh, <laughs> I'm there. And then when we went when we went to that gig. Um, on the way up with my friends, I was going like, no one's gonna know me here, it's in Huddersfield, it was mm. at Five Bar, and I was thinking, no one's gonna know me in Huddersfield, like, you know, just... and we got there, and then, when we were walking into like, the club, all the queue were like, going, oh there's Nathan there, I was thinking what is going on here? Awesome. And then, like, we were all being noticed, and being clocked so, and then all the gigs started flying in Then I think cause that club took the first punt, Yeah. to saying we're gonna book him, and see how it goes, and then it went really well, Wood went round, And then we started getting loads of bookings around that area and then it expanded out like to the rest of the country so
0: and how long ago are we talking like when did this happen like is this two years ago three years ago four years ago Um,
1: a year ago no no it it would have been now yeah about three years yeah three years and then
0: it just really just continued to grow and just spiral but like another
1: like another thing that inspired me was at the time i was getting all these shows people were saying like you know um you've got a you've got literally what a year like in it mm-hmm. um you've got you know you've got a year so rinse it get all your money because after a year you will be forgotten about you know you'd be like them reality stars that mm. do a few pas and then they're on to the next one and i was like i'm not gonna let that happen like i just thought there's not a chance i'm gonna let this just be a phase i was like i need to change what i've got now in it to it being a full-time thing and a like long career so that's why every kind of step was like proper thought out and i Mm -hmm. thought where do i want to get to what do i need to do what do i need to put on social media to like keep growing this hype um because i couldn't just think right i've got a name i'm gonna go and rinse myself for a year get the money and just go back to doing what i did because i thought when i got a taste of how that life can be yeah. I thought I don't want to go back to doing that do
0: you know what I like I like how you've um, you've taken some of the things that people have said to you and it's made mm. you more determined to succeed so like when your mum and dad said you know oh, you need to start making some money mm. you really got knuckled down and you did your thing and then when people were telling you, you know, there's going to be a year in it you're like actually no there's not mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. you know I'm going to actually make this thing work it's going to last I'm going to build it so off the after that, I can ask you how long do you think it will last have yeah. you got an idea in
1: your mind or are you just going to keep I mean you don't know i mean i mean you know touch water it just keeps growing and growing mm. i obviously know that things do have like you know uh, lifespan on it but i think i just keep looking at the next step so rather than thinking right i want to get to there i need to start working to get to there mm-hmm. i think well hang on i know where i want to get to but i need to do that first and then when i do that and i've achieved it and i've smashed it i've got to do that And just do little steps rather than trying to leap into doing that. Because then if you do that and you don't get it right, you're falling down again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, just just playing like a long game really and just staying current, which is hard, Um, especially with all the competition now. There's like, you know, tons of DJs, like I said, trying to do what I did. But, you know, competition's good. And I think the more DJs that are trying to, you know, do well and and make a name for themselves, the better for the scene is making people more aware of us. Because back in the day... I would never get booked for a show unless I had like a hit single out or I was on radio. Hmm. Like the only DJs getting booked back in the day were like radio DJs. And, you know, me along with a couple of others were kind of the first DJs to start getting booked for headline shows that had no platform apart from their own social media. Yeah. So it was kind of a turning point and And, like, you know, now tons of DJs like myself that haven't got a radio show are getting booked. So it was kind of a change in times, really. And as a DJ, can you keep, Can you
0: change your style to stay current? So let's say the music is going to be in RB for in 10 years. You're going to be able to DJ mm-hmm. that music. Well, that's the beauty or... of...
1: That's, once again, why I carefully thought my brand out. I was an urban DJ from when I started doing mm-hmm. it. I only used to just play like R&B and hip-hop. And then when I started getting like... When I did Zanti, I realised it was a lot more commercial. So I started playing kind of different music. Um, and then I turned into this DJ that used to just like never plan a set to turn up and play to the crowd whoever was there I would entertain them and that's where this multi-genre tag kind of came from because I mean I've not really knew of any other multi-genre DJs and I thought once again I want to be different I don't want to say like I'm a house DJ or I'm an urban DJ or I'm a hip hop DJ like I am multi-genre I will play whatever I want to play you can move with the time exactly so I did something different once again to create a new you know element to my brand so The reason that uh, answering your question about staying relevant with the times is that that's the beauty of it. I haven't got to go down one path. For example, at the minute, drum and bass is getting like a bit of a return. And I've started to put a few drum and bass songs into my set. But a year ago, I'd never played drum and bass Mm. in my set because it wasn't current at the time. But if you branded yourself as a house DJ, you couldn't do that. Yeah. So the way I leave myself open gets me so many more opportunities. And like, for example, like last year, in one night, I did like a Baseline Festival um, up north. So I played nothing but Baseline. And then the same night, I had to drive to Manchester and do a gig like at an upmarket R&B bar. So d- complete different ends of the rector scale. But that's two bookings for the brand. And I've been seen by two different audiences, completely different crowds, completely different interests, but they've still booked the same brand. So, you know, like I say, to be different, that's what I thought. I'm not going to mm-hmm. go down the path of giving myself a specific genre, I'm gonna do whatever I want and be it's very
0: It's very um, strange to hear you speak about these things because I'm not from your world but mm-hmm. from business for me, what you're talking about is very similar. Yeah. So a lot of people will go out of business because they will always do the same thing they've always done mm-hmm. and they will be so stuck in their Got way changed. that they can't survive. But the way that you um, the way that you survive is you have to move with the times, you have to innovate, you have to be prepared to change mm-hmm. and go with what's ever out there. So, you know, it's it's you and what you're doing, but it's also very business like. Hundred percent, yeah. Um, you know, in the in the same in the same way, which is awesome. So a question I've got for you, I'm sure the audience really wanna hear, is what is a DJ's lifestyle really like? What's the travelling like, what's the women like? Do you get to party, or is it all moving from destination to destination?
1: Um, the is very long um, and stressful like when we like last week we went from Malia to Kavos but the journey was like we, le- we left the hotel in Malia and when we got to the hotel in Cavos, it must have been like 11 and a half hours since we left the first hotel in a different country so people don't see that side of it they just see you go and turn up for an hour and they think oh he's got the life of Riley mm-hmm. um, but they don't see all the hard graft and the organisation and everything that goes into it to get there and put the show on so yeah, the traveling is kind of one of the downsides to it. However, you get to go to all these countries and see all these amazing things and if you get a bit of time, you can go and explore and you know look at countries that I would never have visited if it weren't for, you know, DJing. Like we were in Dubai last year. Nice. Like so, you know, to just to, to be paid to go out there and then be able to explore Dubai, you know, not many people can do that. So it, I'm obviously very grateful for the traveling, but at the same time it can be quite tiring and it can get you down a little bit. Um as for the partying, obviously, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty much paid to party, but you have to... You have to work as well, You have right? to work, so you have to work. Like, don't straight. get me wrong, like, we take it very seriously. But after, obviously, if we want to, we can party. And the first year that kind of it all started going off, obviously every single gig like was just mad. And we will just partying and whatever, and it was just crazy.
0: Do you party in the club? Do you party with a crowd? Or is it back at the villa, like,
1: it, That was a bit of a mad year, so it was kind of clubs, VIP... Um, like booths and hotels and everything. Nice, but um, then kind of you get a bit not bored, but you know you have to realize it's when we had it's when I had that discussion when I said I, I heard people saying like oh it's got a year left. That's when I thought you know maybe I am partying a bit too much mm-hmm. and I need to take this serious. Even though I was taking it serious, I meant like the party inside of it. So we kind of we brought it back a little bit and wound it in, and also. We were seeing, like, um, I wasn't I wasn't really realising how fast, like, I was growing. So we would do things thinking, you know, no one's going to say anything. It's just we're yeah. just normal people. But then I'll go and see tweets the next day of saying, like, as if Nathan Doar was doing this or <laughs> as, if, as if Nathan Doar's mates were, like, you know, yeah, acting yeah, yeah. like idiots. Like, not idiots, but as in, like, you forget and that people lo- are watching yeah. now, right? So I was like, you know, people are seeing this and, you know, potentially something could happen that could affect mm. the brand that I've worked so hard for. Yeah. So, you know, we brought it back a bit. Don't get me wrong, we have a, a good party, like mm. when we want it. But now, with the amount of shows we do, you have to just kind of see it as work. So, you know, just get get in, back door, do it, and get out. We stick for a drink and we, we'll, we'll meet everyone and I'll never just kind of jump in and out of a club. I'll make the effort to meet anyone that wants to meet me. Um... But yeah, the pros and cons are, you can't always party because it is a job. Mm -hmm. However, if you do want to party, it's completely up to me. So we've got opportunities to do it. And you know, the clubs are more than happy to accommodate, you know, how big we want the party to be. (laughs) But but yeah, it's good. Amazing,
0: love it. Okay, so my final question, because I know you're going to go on stage very, very soon and we're going to get you out of the room, um, is out of all of the people you've played with, who is your biggest, um, or who is the most exciting one for you? Good question. Um, for the record, mm. you're um going on just before Sean Paul tonight, right? Yeah,
1: I'm going on before Sean, which obviously massive artist, like crazy. Um, I'm trying to think really. I mean, you done fifty Cent? Yeah, we we like obviously at festivals, you've got tons and tons yeah. of acts. So like yesterday, we were at Rise Festival, which is the new name for V Festival, and like next to our dressing room there was just like Rita Ora Rock and Bowman all just sitting next to us chilling so you're in the presence of a lot of you know unbelievably mm-hmm. like talented people but I don't really class that as playing with them because like they've just booked for a massive festival yeah 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 so when like club shows that are a bit smaller I'd say we'll keep it to that so probably like in the UK acts like gigs nice. um, we've done a few shows you know alongside alongside him and like, he was like you know full of energy and Makes the crowd go mad. Um, but yeah, on a on a worldwide scale, you'd have to say like 50 Cent, really. I awesome. think it's probably the biggest I've played with. Yeah.
0: Amazing, man. Amazing. Right. So just one more final question. Yeah. Um, and that is what does a social entrepreneur mean to you? How would you use social and entrepreneur, combine them both when you make a
1: description off the back of it? I would say it's using free tools because you, you know, you have to remind yourself Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, it's all free. Unless you wanna, you know, advertise on it. Mm. But using these free like tools that are available to anyone, but to your advantage. So you've got to be different. And I suppose the definition to me is creating a brand out of using the internet, which is free for everyone. So it's being clever enough to use it to your advantage and not just scrolling Instagram and (laughs) like pictures. Awesome, top man, that's amazing. Listen, best of luck with your career, best of
0: luck with your gig tonight. Thanks very much for having us. Thank you. Um, It's been awesome. Thank you, bro. Cheers, bro. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Social Entrepreneur Podcast. Please continue to download, share with your friends, but most importantly, let me give something back. Come on over and join our international Facebook community it's jv social entrepreneur go there find it search it we'd love for you to leave a review and we'd love for you to follow our social media for more updates and for more insights that's at mr joseph valente twitter facebook instagram linkedin let's get it let's grow